Like yeah. When we first started, there were times when someone's like, can you do this? And we'd be like, yeah. <laughs> and Mike and I would leave the meeting and be like, yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. We gotta figure this out. <laughs> well, we were committed to doing that. And yeah. In the end, it all worked. So. Hi. Hello. 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 Hello, and welcome to Architecting. Hi, welcome to Architecting. I'm Rebecca Wagner here with the host Adam Wagner. Hey, Adam, who's on the podcast today? You're really bringing the energy on a <laughs> Sunday evening, aren't you? <laughs> I had to get you up from bed to do this. Uh. Let's try it again real fast. Hi, welcome to... (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Those espressos really worked fast, didn't they? Hi, welcome to Architecting. I'm Rebecca Wagner here with the host, Adam Wagner. Hey, Adam. Hey, Becca. How's it going? Good. Um, Who's on the podcast today? So today we have a couple of cool dudes. We have Mike Blay and Breton Lehan. From Raw Creative. Mm, good ones. You've heard these guys talk a lot of times, right? Yeah, I had Mike Blay at a Christopher Kelly session one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, we get into this in the episode, but we knew about them early on when we moved to Colorado because we also had a, a Raw uh, design at the same time. Um, and I remember being a little scared that they might sue us or something. And it's funny, I talked to them about that and they're like, we are barely keeping our heads above water. We would not care if there's another raw creative, <laughs> um, but it seemed important at the time. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd uh, seen seen Mike, met with Michael a few times. Um, never met with Breton before. This was a little bit of a weird one where I was all prepared and felt official, and sat down for a remote interview, and then it just didn't work. It wasn't working, and we figured out we were five minutes drive away from each other. So they came to our house. And I had to put the microphones up very quickly, and it felt dirty in our house, and the dog was walking around. Uh, and so it was a little bit looser, but I think it turned out uh, it was a good conversation. Yeah, it must have been nice to be in person again. Yeah, it was. Yeah, definitely was. Um, let's see. In this, we we talk about a lot about Rick. Uh, I don't know if we ever said his last name, so that's Rick Summerfield of Colorado Building Workshop at CU um, Denver. Very uh, influential guy uh, with a lot of students coming out um uh, a pretty good basketball player as well um you know he he scores a lot uh i'm not gonna say he's a dirty player but um the first time he started playing with us i i came away with this huge scratch on my arm um not saying he did it but it's kind of a coincidence um Uh, anyway so uh, what were we talking about it was massive yeah it's it's big scar um, and he was guarding me most of the day. Anyway, um, yeah, so good interview. Impressive guys. Um, started their own company right out of school. And I was able, between the interview and releasing this, I was able to go to one of their office parties, a, a big uh, crawfish boil. And it was just a fun environment in their shop. Um, and it seems like they're building a really good crew of people um, and, and talking about sort of as young as young firm owners purposely trying to hire obviously like better people than they are, the better skills than they have um, and kind of shedding their ego in a way. And, um, and uh, yeah, just building a a, a solid um, firm of this pretty interesting business model of design assist and fabrication and now branching off into their own design and architecture firm. Yeah. Build studio. So it's really cool. 
You're like giving me the eyes like this one's going way too long. We need to no. wrap it up. No, I'm actually really excited to hear this one. I, I think their business model is interesting. I think they do really nice work. And I, I'm i surprised it, they started it right out of school. That must have been crazy. They started in school. They were doing <laughs> both. Uh, yeah, that sounds easy. But yeah, two, two Colorado natives, two unicorns uh, <laughs> doing good work. So Fun. Yep. Enjoy. Hey, we're happy to be sponsored by Modern in Denver Magazine. For over a decade, they've been crafting fantastically curated content on Colorado designers and projects, spreading the gospel of good design within our region. And I love how the goal of Modern in Denver aligns with the goal of this podcast, to better build up and connect the community of Colorado designers. So go buy a copy of the magazine at your local bookstand, subscribe to their weekly email list, and follow them on Instagram. Check it out. Uh, well, cool. Well, thanks for coming over. First time in person. Uh, thanks for having us. <laughs> it's like real life again. Uh, two years ago, never happened. Um, and we have Riley the dog walking around uh, making noises. So that's what's going to happen. Um, but we had a yeah, we had a funny thing where we, we were starting the remote interview and then this, the audio just turned off. And I said, where are you guys at? And they're just a few blocks away. And so now we're over here in in the house. So first one. It's way better this way. Yeah, it is. This feels like just kind of an overview of our entire career. <laughs> like, oh, it's not working now. We just got to pivot and change and do something else. <laughs> well, that's a nice pivot there. Of So who are you guys? Start off all awkward. I'll let you go first. <clears throat> My name's Breton. Um, grew up in... Roanoke Fork Valley, Basalt, Aspen area. Uh, wasn't originally born there, but pretty much from there. And, you know, love everything outdoors, hiking, mountain biking, rock climbing, snowboarding, split boarding, everything outside. Boarding. Pure, <laughs> pure Colorado. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of board that's related my, things. That's my happy place. Yeah. So, <laughs> even with the kid, put her in the backpack and go up the hill. So. Huh. Nice. Yeah. Um, Mike, I was born here. Race here, I would say in terms of like the who you are, I, I listened to a bunch of the other podcasts, so it's like a very... Have you like crafted the the perfect thing? To... I thought by now I would have, but I haven't really... I, every time I think of something, I'm like, eh, that doesn't really fit either. Yeah. I think that's probably... I'll, I'll say that I don't fit into any category. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, I, I grew up like building. My whole family is very blue collar. Um, a lot of my uncles were general contractors. A lot of the family is general contractors, so... Hmm. I wanted to be an architect since I was a really young kid, probably like eight or nine. Hmm. Uh, and then I actually, after undergrad, decided I hated architecture and went into did construction management. And I just had like the most circuitous path to coming all the way back to architecture. So you can't get away; it brings you back. It does. It yeah. You. you know, at first I'm like, I hate the theory. This is all just like you know, I don't like it. And then I go into construction management. I'm like, this is super dry. I'd like a little bit of uh, creativity. So. Uh, luckily, I think we've been able to craft. Yeah, I was right going to say, balance. right in the middle is raw creative. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. So, what was what was that that when you were growing up, you were like, okay, I want to be an architect. Legos. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. I think. Yeah. Like, I re I actually remember the time when I was playing with Legos, and I think it was my mom who said something like, "Maybe you'll grow up to be an architect." Hmm. And I was like, "What? What is that?" 
She, yeah. It's the person who designs the buildings. And immediately I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. I didn't really fully understand what that meant until like graduate school, probably. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like funny. I didn't know what an architect really was. Like I still don't know what that means. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> it's a very like vague term, I think. But, yeah. Know. I mean, I had the same experience too, just growing up playing with Legos and my mom was the same person's like, Talk to my second grade teacher, I was like, he's gonna be an architect, plays with Legos. I didn't know any of this at the time, <laughs> but I was actually an open option going into undergrad at Boulder. And during my like tour, I decided to declare for you know environmental design and do architecture. And I had like my first studio, I absolutely hated it. Called my dad, been like, fuck this, I'm dropping out, I'm going to culinary school. And during that conversation, my dad's like, you can go to culinary school and be a chef, or you can be the one that like designs the restaurants. Like you huh. choose. And at that point, I think, what would you say now? <laughs> would you still say that? Yeah. Uh, like, actually, yeah. actually, I really enjoy, love designing restaurants. Love design yeah. in general. And you know, as a hobby, like I love to cook still. Mm. Like me and my wife cook all the time, so it's like the best of both worlds here. Nice. So. When I retire, I'm going to culinary school. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like a good thing to do when you have money. Uh, open a restaurant. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so what was it? What was it about that first year that almost forced you out? I think it was just like the rigor of the work. At the time, I was still like trying to compete in snowboarding, still traveling mm. and doing studios, and it became very apparent that you can't do both. So that was like the hardest part just the time demand I didn't expect for undergrad and studio in general and also some of the teachers I had at the time were not my favorite <laughs> so <laughs> you don't have to go into that but <laughs> yeah. after a few more beers we'll get into that yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I feel like that's a thing especially with the like Colorado students you know like going to school at Kansas State there's no mountains. There's nothing else to do. You're like, okay, I'll be in studio. But here you're like, hey, I see those mountains. Yeah. And I my board's right there. Yeah. Uh, just growing up too, like I was, you know, in high school, taking off every other day. It was a half day for me traveling, snowboarding. Hmm. And like still trying to do that in Boulder because it was very close to the mountains. Yeah. You know, it was, it was a choice. And I'm glad I decided to, you know, get serious about architecture and start studying and do my work. But... <laughs> So it goes. So was it was it like was it a pr professor or something that that got you back into it or just just the idea of like I'm going to buckle down on this and, and go? I think at first it was just I'm going to get serious and buckle down, and then along the way, you know, professors that I had that I really appreciated definitely, you know, helped manifest that. Yeah. Were you guys in school in the same time or yeah? Yeah, that's how we originally met. We was it Studio Two that we had together. Yeah. Underground. Yeah, and he was he was competitive in snowboarding, and I was competing in skiing, and so uh, we kind of like cross paths. And so you just started fighting, and just yeah, we just, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. We still we still argue about which one's better. But. Yeah, yeah. That's a whole nother episode. Yeah. Uh, uh, so like that was that was your experience, Mike, and then like with you with studio, was it you were like okay. I, I know I, I know the Legos here. This is this is the same sort of thing. And then by the end of undergrad, is that when you started getting like disillusioned with it or it was actually I think probably most of the undergrad for me. And it wasn't because I think all the teachers were great. And I, I you know, looking back now, I really value the time that I had there. But I think 
I was coming from like working on job sites and mm. framing with my uncles and stuff. And you go into studio and it's all theoretical, you know, and, and people are drawing stuff that it's like, it's just a, a line instead of what a wall actually looked yeah. like. And it was just driving me insane. You know, like the whole thing I was like, you can't build that. That's impossible. Like no way. And it, it wasn't until probably graduate school that I really like got into the theory and got into understanding why that is important and why it makes architecture special. You know, yeah. there's a difference between good buildings and good architecture, I feel like. And, and I think I was, I was just coming from that construction side. Yeah. So that's hard. Like my dad is a general contractor. And so I had this sort of same thing and I was like, I'll go to architecture school so that I can be a better general contractor. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, like two weeks in, I was like, okay, I'm drinking all this Kool-Aid. Like mm-hmm. I'm totally in and like, none of this needs to be built and yeah it's a lot better than these like single family like uh kansas developer homes and uh uh but it but there is like pressure there especially with family and like lineage and everything right of like what are you what are you spending your money on here what is this thing but yeah uh, it's like exactly that's exactly what it was it was very you know like you grow up and most of the family members are talking about how like architects don't know what they're doing. Yeah. They just draw stuff that's, you know, it's pretty pictures and it's whatever. And then you go to school and you see that happening yeah. and you're like, Oh shit, they were right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what, am, what am I becoming? Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. It, 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 I think in a way I was trying to like push it away. And then when I went to construction management after my undergrad, that's actually when I started realizing like, uh, I actually do really like, the theory side mm. of it and the design and the creativity. And then it took me, I mean, it took me four tries to get into, get my master's degree in Denver. Oh yeah. And I finally got in and like, I think when it, going into grad school, I was like, I'm going to take this really serious and really try and excel. And then I drank the Kool-Aid all the way. So, so to speak, like I was just all in at that point. It's yeah. a different yeah. mindset when you go to grad school. I feel like yeah. I was yeah. the same way. I finished Boulder, moved back to Aspen. I'm like, I'm going to get a year of like living up here and, bartending and just snowboarding and it was the worst winter they had in like 20 years so the mountains all closed early. Huh. but then my wife and i moved back to denver to go to grad school and it was like all right we're taking this real serious so was it so was it a clear idea for you brenton of like yeah i want to go back for grad school for architecture then or yeah yeah and it's and it's because like your experience kind of ramped up through those four years and or again, was it like the absence of architecture? <laughs> like no, Mike, I, have, yeah. Yeah, I think like the, my first year in freshman year, I did horribly like academically and like spent the next three years like building back up my GPA and like graduated, mm-hmm. like did really well and then was super into it and, you know, doing like they had like, the studio awards back in the day and doing well in all those. And I definitely wanted to go back to grad school. And that's where we like linked up was like orientation of grad school. I was like, oh, Mike, hey. And like yeah. we had a couple studios together and partnered up on studios and I think like through our grad school year like we won every single studio awards that hmm. was like during our time which is kind of cool mm-hmm. and so did that I mean obviously you guys were like friends in undergrad but what yeah. was that was there a, a, a seed of like okay let's start something in undergrad or it, it really Definitely came grad school yeah mm-hmm. when I was in undergrad I was working in the fabrication studio for mm-hmm. the, and, and that was like Prior to that, I'd never seen a CNC machine or a laser cutter or anything. Like, I, I just kind of, that, like, got me through grad school, working in the fabrication studio, because I, I really saw a lot of value in that mm. and being able to use these tools. And I wasn't sure if it was product design or what it was, but I also knew that I really enjoyed working with other designers and seeing all these creative projects coming in and, 
So when I left um, and did construction management, I was still working at the fab shop in Boulder. Mm. And even when I was in grad school, I guess I was still working there. And that's how eventually, you know, I think some of our early projects for Rock Creative were built either in the Boulder or Denver wood shops. <laughs> <laughs> <They> definitely were. <laughs> well, and you guys did the design build program too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did yeah. you do one of those or two or? We did. I did one formally with Rick, which was like the best experience I had in like all of my, you know, undergrad graduate career was the design build program. Like that got me like the whole idea of like, we should be designing and building. <laughs> I want to do this forever. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so yeah. what was, was that, that the perforated metal one, the yeah. large street? Yeah. 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 I'm good friends with Joe Coleman and like yeah. doing that with you guys and, yeah, I love to heard, heard a lot about that. Yeah, he's he's the best. Yeah, you always make jokes because I feel like Rick always knows like the solution to the problem at the, like the very beginning. Yeah, he was like, we have this project. Here are the parameters, and he has a solution already figured out. But he like guides all the students to get there and like make them think it was original thought. At, at the end of the semester, he like reveals the initial sketch <laughs> yeah. that he did. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. Look, yeah, we got here. <laughs> right. yeah. There you go, Rick. Yeah, I feel like that. Like that hands-on building like really made it special to be like you know mike was the one who approached me it was like, we should start a company hmm. i'm like i'm game let's do this but it was driven because i think we were in that design build program you know and the idea of we could control everything from start to finish and you know it was just that yeah. was like the moment where i felt we should do design build and fabrication yeah and that was the i actually uh rick was working on the boulder museum of contemporary art for I think it was like one of the first design build with myself. Projects. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And I was working in the fabrication studio, and I saw that class go through there, and I was like, "That's that's what I want to do. I want to do something like that." And then I got out, and my grades weren't good enough to get into grad school, so I had to beg, steal, and borrow to eventually get into school. Um, I promise I'll be better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Literally, I think my letter might have been like, "I promise to do better." <laughs> So, but I think doing the design build thing was like in school, that was sort of like the pinnacle of being like, okay, now I kind of see how I can weave all of this stuff together a little bit. And was there a model for that business for you guys? Uh, and you, you knew what it was like, it's raw creative and, and this is who's doing it. And then we want to be like that or. Yeah, I think so. I would say uh, Matthew Huft came and oh, yeah. talked to uh, Boulder. And I remember thinking that was like, that was kind of the precedent, I yeah. guess. And then I, I utilized the design build program. Part of it is like writing business plans and doing hmm. managing risk. And so, so I, I kind of like did our company from start to finish in those courses hmm. um, and had a lot of help, you know, like even at that point in time, I was talking to Rick and asking him about like, you think this is a good idea? You know, is this stupid or, and it had a lot of good feedback from from everyone and me and Brett and teamed up on some studios and like we're working really well together and it just it made sense to try and do something that utilized our talents and you know I think at the time it was probably coupled with being a little naive about how <laughs> the real world works yeah. so and I, maybe we're I think we're still learning how the real world yeah. works a little bit but I'd rather not know how the real world works yeah let <laughs> right. me stay in my bubble right uh so was, what you know, go ahead I was like, that's the hard part is like we you know, we want to start this company because we love design and we love building, we love fabrication. But along the way, it's like, you need to learn the business. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you run a business? How do you hire employees? Like, how do you manage a team? You know, and how much of that takes up your time compared to like what you actually started the business for? Like, we started the business we could design. Yeah. And we find ourselves like, 
being operators rather than designers. And yeah. that's a huge thing to like learn along the way. And you know, that triggers mistakes along the way as well. Hardship. We always joke about like, you know, like on the people's resumes, the, the cool thing is to do the bubbles. Yeah. And I always think about like, you know, going into a, an interview now and being like, my QuickBooks skills are like, <laughs> like, like this guy's like level five QuickBooks master. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wh- where's the Revit? Where's right, the yeah. Rhino on this uh, scale? Right. Yeah. Uh, what's Revit? <laughs> yeah. What's Revit? I never, I know. I was just saying that today. Like I, I was up late last night, we, like doing this renovation of a house and it was this little back stair porch. And I stayed up till like 2 a.m. working on it because I just got so into it. And it was like, when's the last time I designed something? It's been like three weeks, four weeks. Yeah. I've just been writing proposals and yeah. doing other things. It's, <laughs> so have you figured that out? Tell me a secret. How do you how do you get back into design? We haven't figured it out. Yeah. Try and hire good admin people if yeah. you can. That's yeah. right. And we've I feel like right now we're learning how to delegate. Mm. Like that's mm. the hardest skill that I wasn't anticipating learning is when you're designing, it's it's hard enough to work in a team with people. But it's really hard to hand over, you know, an idea and say, help me bring this to fruition and trust yeah. that it's going to go kind of the way you're hoping. Um, and I feel like that's that's taken a lot of... So what are you like eight years in and you're starting to get there? I, yeah. I feel like I'm like 10% of the where <laughs> yeah. I want to be at. Yeah. So I feel confident by the time I retire, I'll have it. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be able to not a delegate. Right. Delegate so well that you can retire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, when did you guys graduate? 2014. 14. Yep. And so it was like raw creative right from the gates or did you work yeah, somewhere? Our last year of grad school, we were, we had started the company just doing like furniture projects. Mm. I think we were leaving Rick's design build studio and we were driving to like kitchen remodel. Yeah. In, uh, yeah. Nice. Greenwood Village. Like, yeah. We were on someone's kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. We were, we were working while we were in school some of the projects yeah and in the wood shops is <laughs> yeah <laughs> what what project are you building there yeah it's a, it's a yeah. jig yeah it's right, a, it's right. A, yeah exactly it's a furniture project for a studio that we're taking it's life-size and don't worry about it it's <laughs> one-to-one <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh so was there any was there any fear there when you graduated and again you're saying yeah i'm not going to get a job at a firm that pays me a salary mom and dad I'm starting my own thing like I think immediately it wasn't because I think at the time we both had other jobs at the time I was bartending a real linger mm. you were still working at the sink up in Boulder yeah. so we were and we were doing the business on the side I think it was the time came when you know we said like I'm gonna quit my job and just do this full time and take that leap and I think that was the moment where it was like all right this is real like we're gonna focus a hundred percent of effort onto this yeah and it almost was like in some ways, I feel like it was probably easier because, like, coming out of school, you know, you're making 12, 15 bucks an hour somewhere. And you're like, well, you know, worst comes to worst, I can keep doing this. Yeah. Whereas, like, the people that have, like, you know, kids and, and are switching jobs and stuff, that would stress me out, I mean, to no end. So I feel like it actually maybe was somewhat easier. And, again, probably part of that be just being naive, yeah. you know, not knowing yeah. what was going to happen. I mean, I remember... Our first project we did, we like cashed a, our first check and it was like three hundred dollars. Just like, oh, here we go, Knock, <laughs> knocked out the whole kitchen. Yeah, three hundred dollars. Yeah, exactly. In the yeah. bank. Yeah. In retrospect, you're like, it. You know, that probably didn't even cover the gas to get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Was there any? It's funny, you know. When I graduated, I also started 
raw design, uh, another raw design, mm-hmm. right? and and uh, and did that for a while. And and I always have a slight, like not chip on my shoulder, but always like, oh, I don't quite know as much because I haven't worked in mm-hmm. as long of f- firms or something like that. And you know, I don't didn't really think about that in graduating. But then you know, does that ever get to you, or like now you're like. Just look at all these checks I'm cashing. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Three hundred dollars over and over. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, for I don't want to speak for you, but for me, it's always there, and I think it hmm. it just you know, like I've read a lot about like the imposter syndrome. Yeah, and, yeah. And I, I think that that I think that's consistent across all design yeah. because it is such a open ended field, and there's no one could ever know everything. Um, but yeah, I mean. Even even now, you know, when, when you don't know something that you feel like maybe you should know, or I, I think it creeps up all the time. And there's, there's you hear the people, I've, I've heard it on this podcast before about, you know, these guys that I'm considering are just like these, you know, megaliths of architecture yeah. in Colorado that are saying like, yeah, we felt that way. We felt that way two months ago, yeah. you know, or something like that. And you realize it's just something you deal with. Yeah. I think like we're constantly trying to like refine our process and like, how do we make a process to like make this workflow make sense, be profitable, be efficient. And I always think back, like, well, maybe if I worked in a firm, like I would have picked mm-hmm. it up along the way. Mm-hmm. And yet that may be true. But the other side of it is like, well, being, you know, entrepreneurs and doing this on ourselves, like we were able to like take risks that we weren't, that we would not have been able to take if I worked at a firm. And I think like those leaps and bounds kind of like outweigh, you know, the knowledge base that we would have required. Yeah. So like, it's always a give and take of, yeah, it could have been, you know, different here, but I'm always like, I'm really proud of the way we did it. And just, you know, we're, we're hungry and like, we're, we're going to like make ourselves learn. And, you know, he reads more than I can ever imagine. <laughs> like we're, we're, we're like, we always are trying to learn. Like, well, if we can't figure it out, we'll research it and yeah. like find a process and like implement it. So we're, we're committed to always like building and being better is I think, you know, part of why we've been able to be successful at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I think we've, we've tried to instill a culture at our company too of, of it's like it's okay to not know the answer mm-hmm. like it's all about like the research and figuring it out and finding the solution we'd rather you have those skills than come in and say like i know i know everything like i can i can solve any problem yeah you know? like i think that's important and, and the person who can solve any problem is like 60 years old and right. it's been in a firm forever you know they, right. like I, mm-hmm. yeah that, that imposter syndrome is so so difficult and it's like yeah i could i could know a lot or know most things, but I'd have to be at a firm for 10 years and maybe I only do these kind of projects and I still don't know everything. And yeah. it's like the, the leaps and bounds you get from having your own firm and like forcing you to do all these things, you know, even if it's kitchens or whatever, you know, it's. Right. Like yeah. when we first started, there were times when someone's like, can you do this? And we'd be like, yeah. <laughs> and Mike and I would leave the meeting and be like, we gotta figure this out. <laughs> well, we were committed to doing that. And yeah. In the end it all worked. So. It's like the ultimate fake it till you make it. Yeah. Right? It's just like you just have to, you know, yeah. keep doing it. There's so much of that. Just do that and have good insurance. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Make sure you're covered. <laughs> yeah, make sure you're covered. <laughs> or and, and be willing to, the other thing I feel like is being willing to reach out to people that have done it before, mm-hmm. especially designers. Like ever, we have, there's such a good community of designers in, in Denver and in Colorado in general. And like most of the time, you know, we can reach out to someone and say, we've never done this before, you know, can we buy you a beer and yeah. just talk it through? And like, I've never had anyone just say flat out like, no, Yeah. you know what I mean? Like everyone's usually pretty willing to share their knowledge and talk about things and go over, you know, 
Rick, his thing is like scar tissue. You know, you just build mm. up scar tissue after doing things over time. And I feel like that building up that scar tissue and learning is the, is the thing you can glean from other people too. For me, it's just gray hair. I was <laughs> yeah. all black and really company. <laughs> That's true. It's like yeah. a, a good like silver fox over here. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're pulling it off. Yeah. That's what it has like the, you know, leveraging our relationships, just, you know, yeah. people that are in, like we started we're in the restaurant industry and talking with them and knowing that we're a young firm, you know, trying to make it and giving us opportunity to like do a restaurant here and there. And, you know, the trust and knowing that like, we're not going to stop until we succeed. You know, we're going to work way more than a seasoned firm may to make this job special. And I think it's like, you know, people will gravitate towards that as well, that young energy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty envious of you guys in the, in the business model. And I think, you know, a, a lot of students and people coming out, you know, uh, it looks pretty good, but just from the sense of, of being able to work with so many different designers and things, you know, it's so easy within just architecture to get so siloed. Mm-hmm. That's why I like this. Right. But I don't yeah. get any, many clients off of this by <laughs> talking to other architects. Uh, but, uh, but you guys do. And like, you guys get to have that collaboration and then, and also just, you know, change, changing that, that typical design business model, uh, is, is smart. Yeah. It's good. Thank you. Yeah. It was, like I said, it was it was Huff that I think was yeah. kind of the, the leader for us. And then, I mean, we've been manipulating our business and the way that we're kind of operating. And even now we're making some pretty big changes to like the structure and things. And just because of stuff we've learned along the way. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause talk about that. So, um so what what were some what were the some of the first projects so you had you had the kitchens and sort of restaurants how how soon were you buying your own equipment and having a space and like what what was that sort of build up of services like we should talk about the first space (laughs) i mean yeah the first space we had was for a friend of mine that owned a hot sauce company and a coffee roasting company so we took over probably about the size of this room. You know, <laughs> this is a small room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is, yeah. Our yeah. shop was literally like 15 by 15 feet. It was tiny and everything was on wheels. So we could like huh. move everything out into like the walkways and run the planers, run the joiners, run hmm. the drill presses and, you know, creating mounds of dust while someone's like trying to like, roast chilies. Yeah. <laughs> and pretty apparent like, oh, this, this is a smoky, yeah, like, yeah, watery. Yeah, this is not going to work, right? And they had like a food truck at the time too, selling ice cream. So they'd be like, come back at, you know, 1 a.m. from selling ice cream all night. We'd be like, welding. making sawdust <laughs> and welding. So that lasted, you know, a couple months, did a couple projects. And then we moved into the back of a CrossFit gym that was about 800 square feet, which felt huge at the time. From there, we went to like 2,500 square feet over on Jason street hmm. built. Like we're like, we're going to build an office in here. And we like built this whole cube. And like, as soon as we finish it, we're like, we have to move out. <laughs> no room. Like you'd, you'd be working at your computer. And like by the end of the day, there'd be dust everywhere. <laughs> so now we're in our fourth warehouse, which is about 10,000 square feet. Same idea. We're like, we're going to build these offices in here. It's going to be great. We moved in quickly, bought a construction trailer and parked it in the fire lane out back because that was the only way to have an office. No, no, no. Not the fire Not lane. The fire in case lane. anyone from Denver is yeah. listening, it's not the fire lane. <laughs> yeah. The alley in the back of the warehouse. Yeah. So now we have like our construction trailer that we like did a light remodel on, you know, made it workable. We have our warehouse, which is like what we need, you know, but the whole idea of like raw creative being designed, build, fabricate has like kind of shifted in the sense that like 
you know, we're, we're focusing raw creative to be fabrication only really highly collaborative with other GCs, other architects, fabrication focus. And we're slowly kind of figuring out like, how do we just market like a different architecture firm yeah. that's more, you know, peer to peer or, you know, customer base because raw creative, we started the idea of we're going to do it all. We're going to design, we're going to build, we're going to GC, we're going to get our hands mm. dirty. And like, that was great to a certain scale of projects. We reach a scale where like, we're, we're humble enough and mature enough to know like we don't have to build everything. Yeah. We don't have to have that sense of control. We can break away and figure out like play to our strengths and partner with people that are, you know, highly specialized in building. So like we've, we've like over these years, we've learned to like, okay, how do we like shuffle down a little bit or scale down, you know, refocus our interest and really try to excel at what we're good at. And we're trying to focus on architecture and fabrication only at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, and some of the uh, some of the fun like stories I think behind that are like, I remember one of my favorite stories is we, when we were in that hot sauce company, <laughs> that little like tiny area. Um, we had a bunch of tools that I had amassed from working in construction over the years, and we realized we needed like a really good table saw. So, Breton took a student loan and bought a <laughs> saw stop for us and put it in the back of his Subaru. <laughs> But drove it over, and I'll just never forget. Like the guys were like roasting chilies and roasting coffee, and like the food truck was humming, and he like backed in with this saw stop. We were like put it all together, which took us forever. And then it finally it's like put together, and we're looking at it in the space, and it's taking up like thirty percent. Like oh shit, we gotta move. <laughs> could you, yeah, could you even get like a four by eight piece of plywood in there? No, like, we were like we were like cutting stuff to get it in. <laughs> so yeah. That was, uh, it's now, it's like fun talking about it now. Yeah. Like at the time, man, I, I feel like it's always so stressful in the moment, you know, and then looking back and it's better or not as bad as you thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> but during that time, so the person you're renting it from was Cade and he had the hot sauce company and the cockroach company at the time and he was opening the way back oh, on yeah. Tennyson street, the original one on 38th hmm. and Tennyson and, or excuse me, 38th and, uh, no, Tennyson was on 38, not the one that's actually down Tennyson. Oh yeah. Um, like I remember like we finished the restaurant and it was like such like, a special moment because it was the first time we took something for like all the way through design you know we were the GCs and we built literally everything hmm. in that restaurant like looking back like we would never do that again but it was like <laughs> such a big moment for us to realize like the vision of like design build fabricate at a scale that you could like walk around and actually feel everything. So I remember that just being a super special moment, like in the early years of our careers and, you know, talking about it for so long. It'd be so cool to design a project, build it and fabricate it and like be able to go check it out. And that actually happened and it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so how does that shifted now? I mean, that's interesting where now you have the, the real fabrication capacity, right? Like yeah. been to the shop, 10,000 square feet sounds like a lot, but you guys, yeah, really pack it out. You got a lot of cool toys in there and a lot of cool stuff. Uh, and so, so yeah, you're, you're really finding that sort of niche of what you want to fabricate and, and, and design. But then you're also starting like a design, another company, the, is that Build Studio? Build or? Studio, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's, that was kind of our response to realizing that Raw Creative had such a great, presence as being this fabrication entity and we always wanted it to be like an outlet for other designers too because mm. I mean for us it was it's great because we were 
in the studio. So anything we were designing, we could prototype in there. And and I still don't even think we've reached sort of that peak capacity of, of really working with other architects a lot and helping them solve some of their problems that are more technical from a fabrication based. Yeah. And what we realized is that like, you know, it's pretty hard to have a client that wants to do like a $5 million house be like, Oh, these guys also weld, you know, yeah. like there's like a disconnect there yeah. kind of. So we, we just realized that it's, you know, from a client facing perspective, mm. it's probably better to have a, a, a true firm. That's a little bit more the common. Yeah. Norm. So. That's interesting. You, you've you've built up such a a name recognition in a in a brand, but then the idea of like, okay, I'm gonna I need a different one. You know, I want to I want to start from scratch again. Let's uh, not scratch, but uh, pretty much. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. So what's the process of that? Where's where's that at now? We're doing branding right now, and I think we're probably gonna try and be launching our website and rolling it out probably in like the next six months. Mm. Is kind of our goal. We're, we've been. Mm. We've been lucky that we never advertise for architecture. We've always just had word of mouth and, hmm. you know, we've had great projects from that and, and repeat clients. And so from that sense, we haven't had to like rush it, which has been nice. It's been more organic. And I think obviously over the past eight years, our thought process on design and architecture has evolved pretty substantially. Hmm. And so it's kind of exciting to have like a second shot at hmm. starting something with the ideals that we believe in now. Yeah, which is kind of cool. So it's like a, it's like a band starting another band that they yeah. can do other stuff on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when we started the company, we were only using our fabrication studio for our projects. So we weren't like outsourcing uh, it. And now, like the business model has grown and shifted to where like the majority of our business for Rock Creative, the fabrication side, is outsourced. You know, where we're building stuff for other builders or partnering with other architects to like bring these you know creative pieces to life and we're only using our fabrication studio for you know 20 percent as like our work mm-hmm. so like that idea of you know really just pushing fabrication to be more collaborative among our peers in denver has been the cool the goal with that yeah and then how do we you know take what we've learned and just do a design focused architecture firm that will still like partner and utilize raw creative the same way that an outside architect would yeah and and how do you see how do you see sort of like your roles or your lanes or your strengths and how, how do they come together and how, how, how will, how will it look when you have build studio, you know, do, do each of you get to go play in that studio while, uh, raw creative is running itself. And, uh, <laughs> that's, that's the goal. Probably that's a good question. Yeah. yeah. No, I think, yeah, that's, that is sort of the goal is like what we have realized with raw creative is as much as we like woodworking and welding, like, everyone that works in our shop right now is light years ahead of us Hmm. in terms of skill set. And like, I mean, we go in there now and I'm like asking people where tools are and like, you know, it's, it's like comical how, how bad I am compared to them. So because of that, we've realized that like, you know, we, we've gotten it to a point where we feel like a lot of these people are probably more qualified than us really to be running and managing this thing. And, And right now we're trying to, work at the management level. And then I think for us, the next step would be for us to, I still really like, and I know Brenton is too, like going and talking to firms about like why this is a good mm-hmm. idea, especially because I can, I can speak to it from the perspective of an architect and a designer and saying, this is a valuable tool. You know, we want you guys to be able to use this and bounce your creative ideas off of it. And I think that's kind of where we want to land is where we're doing a lot of the lunch and learns and, and talking to other firms and, 
and selling that process and that idea. But the day-to-day and the management is all kind of self-contained within Raw Creative. Yeah. So, and then we'll probably both be really heavily involved in, in Build Studio. And, and I think Build Studio is, it's not only architecture. We've, we've talked a lot about self-developing some projects and nice, some yeah. things like that, which we're really interested in. And so that's kind of all evolving at the same time a little bit. Yeah. Tell me about the, uh, that, the Sunnyside ADU. Like, I, I've walked, I, I walked by it. At under construction, I kept doing like double takes, like it's a beautiful project. But Thank you. so did you, so that was, was that like the first project with Build Studio or? That was actually, or, I mean, technically it was, was you guys? still be raw creative. Okay, yeah. yeah we, we, we designed it, we were the general contractor and then we fabbed pretty much everything on the inside of it. It was like the way back, but for residential is the first mm. one where we just got to do pretty much everything. And you just had a client? come to you and, mm-hmm. and ask for that yeah that's yeah, cool we got really lucky we had a referral from uh one of our friends from cu denver that, that gave us the hey these guys do good work you should talk to them the clients were crazy enough to trust us yeah. <laughs> so we we dove into it and it was one of those projects that i don't know from start to finish it took like two years i mean there were like zoning yeah. variances and a bunch of other stuff we had to go through um but it was an awesome project it was super fun to work on yeah Talk about those, you, you were talking about sort of your ideas of architecture design have evolved. Um, can you articulate sort of what your ideas were maybe graduating to what they are now and or like identify a project that sort of like stands in for each one of those phases and the growth you guys have had? Yeah, well, so I think for me, the a good view of sort of coming right out of school and what you think architecture is or what it, what it should be for me would be the way back because at that point in time, I really believed like you should have your hand in everything. You should be like a control freak, you know, and just like make sure that everything is perfect and everything is custom and everything is, no one's ever seen it before. Yeah. You know, and then everything you touch is yeah, yeah. it's like perfect and beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Like the underside of the bar. Well, let's <laughs> let's mill some intricate pattern in. Some person might see that someday, yeah. you know. And like that was beautiful purse hook. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's let's forge it ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I think that was kind of where where we were then. And now, we probably both have different kind of like we always. The nice part about having a business partner is we always have different ideas about stuff. So we mm. have a sounding board for each other, yeah. kind of. For me, I'm really interested in like human centered design and just how things are actually working for people. Hmm. Um, you know, instead of trying to determine how people should live. And, and I feel like starting with a blank slate for every single project and just listening to what people are expecting kind of allows you to come up with different ways of solving this, the, the problems, which yeah. I've been, I've been really into recently is, is just trying not to force anything and just kind of let it evolve naturally. I think the, the, con- the, the term like rooted in concept, mm-hmm. like I've gravitated towards that a lot because, you know, through our past projects, the idea of like concept and storytelling has been really important in the sense of like, we have a client that's very specific. They have a brand, they have a, a restaurant and like, how do we tell that story through architecture and like, what are the materials and what is the design concept? It's a reflection of them. And to me, that's always been super special and like a hospitality sense of like the work we're doing should be a reflection of the person we're working for. Mm-hmm. And with restaurants, I think it's, you know, almost a little easier because there is such a strong brand around that. And now as we get into more, you know, residential work, 
you know, really understanding the client and like what's important to them and trying to make the piece of architecture, you know, conceptual, but tie back to them a little bit personally. To me, that's always super special and the idea of like storytelling, concept work. That's always really important to me. Yeah. I think it that's, it's like a tough thing, right? I mean, the idea, I like to think I'm, I'm very like conceptually driven and, and, um, but the idea of sort of the balance between kind of storytelling and almost in a sense like theater design or something, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, versus sort of a lineage of architecture concept mm-hmm. uh, or, or something bigger. You know, I feel like a restaurant, you have so much opportunity where, you know, it's kind of normally like a TI project and it's like more kind of skin based in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. And you're able to kind of get there, but but not let it get too kitsch or not let it get too whatever you know cheesy and (laughs) and then and then with the idea of a house you know it's it's sometimes more sort of object-based formal concept but still merging with that idea of of what a client is as long as you can get away from like okay this is a bedroom that's a bathroom like Mm -hmm. you know I, I just talked to Joseph Monteblano from Studio Trope, and he was saying that when they do programming things, they don't allow people to use any room names. So you have to describe the things you want by how you occupy it, you know, instead of bed, bath, whatever. But mm-hmm. it's genius because there's so much room for ambiguity or uncertainty when you say a bedroom. Yeah. It means something so different between two people. And what I mean, what's interesting, like some of the projects we're working on now, too, that have forced us to rethink is. Um, like some houses in Mexico hmm. and a, a hotel project in Mexico where it's, it's really just like, it's completely different than stuff we've done in the past. And so we're going all the way back to concept and, you know, like what is, why are we doing the moves that we're doing and what's yeah. the significance of this and how do we explain this to someone that mm-hmm. isn't an architect and, and make them be like, Oh, there is value. In yeah. That, you know, but I think, you know, trying to be as restrained as possible mm-hmm. has always been, like every time we design together and talk about a concept, it's like, how do we articulate this idea with like one move, right? Mm-hmm. But then really dive into the details. And I think the detail part comes from like the fabrication and building background. I mean, we, we GC a ton of projects, you know, I product managed a whole bunch of them. And like, I learned so much from being on site, learning how to build, like that's going to help influence some of the moves we do in architecture from like a detailing perspective, which, you know, we're dropping some of that and doing focus more on architecture, but there's such a valuable lesson to be, you know, entrenched in that workflow for so long. So, yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's so easy, you know, the talking about sort of knowing everything, right. It within architecture, it's so easy to go through architecture and get further and further along in your career and further and further away from design and ideas. Right. Uh, and I could see, especially with not, obviously not that, that, that furniture and insulation and things like that don't have concept, right? But like getting away from building and allowing yourself to kind of fall away. Like it's it's a cool thing how you guys are like, no, we need to go back to those roots and like we need to get back to these things that, that do matter and uh, pay somebody else to run the saws. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we noticed too that it, it had such a big effect on the design side because when you're, when you're the GC too, it is so tempting to be like, ah, man, that'd be a really cool detail, but, like, I don't want to build that. Yeah, You know, like, yeah. that's going to be a pain in the ass to build. So. Right. 
and now we can just be like, I'm sorry, I didn't pay in the ass, but this is what you're getting paid for. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, so what is that, uh, you, you were saying before you have some good uh, struggle stories. What, what, what was, um, what might be your lowest day or the hard, hardest day, like one day? I mean, I'd say the hardest day is when we literally had to fire 30% of our staff. Mm. Like we had grown the company, you know, we were getting so busy and taking on everything under the sun. And instead of like focusing on process and how to be efficient and how to outsource and, you know, maybe just how to manage, we just kept throwing bodies to the problem. Like we can get this done. We just hired more people. Mm. And we went through a hiring spree and we were up to like 22 people at some point. And, you know, you have one down month and you learn the hardship of payroll doesn't stop. So, yeah. You know, what year was that? When this is probably four years ago now. Okay, we've yeah. been in our new warehouse for about a year, and getting real, real busy. You know, and just taking every project we could, and you know, some of them weren't the best fit necessarily mm-hmm. for us, but we were like, sure, we'll take it on. We need to take it on. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah when you have the people, yeah. yeah. And I think you know we came to the realization like we were making it work, making it work, and just looking ahead and being like, this isn't going to last. So. We just made the decision to, you know, retain the people that were crucial to the business and let go of about 30% of our staff. Now they sucked. I mean, people, yeah. people are, you know, coming to work and we're responsible to provide them salary and provide them with income so they can support their families and themselves and just cutting everyone off on one day. Like it sucked. Yeah. It was horrible. It was, it was like scar tissue, like Rick says, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. just like having to do that. And then after that being like, I don't ever want to have to do that again, mm. whatever we have to do. And, you know, however strict we are, we're not strict or what, anything that it takes to not have to do this again is. This is the growing pains. I yeah. Think, you know, yeah. You, you have it figured out. You're like, Let's just keep growing, growing, growing. And it extends that moment to Mike's point. Like, we don't want to do that again. So like, what, like, how do we get here? Like, why do we get to this point where mm. we were just, we were so busy, but we had a staff that we couldn't support. And we've like really pared back and just focus on like, how do we be more efficient? How do we leverage outsourcing? How do we leverage mm. contract workers? You know, a lot of these things that, you know, if we have a slow month, it doesn't matter if we have an outsourced designer, an outsourced contract worker or part-time people, you know, we can work on a job by job basis. And since then, I mean, we've gone from like 12 to 15 people we've fluctuated now and we've never had to like fire anyone because of just, nice. you know, too busy or whatever now. Mm-hmm. It's just like we've figured out a rhythm and, you know, hiring the right people to do the right jobs, not just throwing bodies the problem. Yeah. And to really hold yourself back and say no a lot, it seems like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, it seems easy to want to take everything on and think like, oh, I bet this can be okay, Mm, even if there's red flags coming up. But like, maybe I can get it there and hire somebody and. I feel like by nature, designers are optimistic. You know? Yeah. So we just like, yeah, we always are like, oh, this could be a really cool project. Like, it, you know, it sounds horrible on the face of it, but maybe it actually is really, really great. We learned to sift through those a little bit better. And I think we've gotten better too at like pre-qualifying clients a little bit more and kind of being like, do we, do we want to work with this person? You know, are they, do we have the same values? Because even sometimes it, it's a good client, but they just don't have the same values and they're a good fit for someone else. And that's, yeah. that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's a really hard thing to learn. And I don't think we fully figured that out. It's just kind of something we're working on. Well, and it's, 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 it's also such a nice luxury, right? Uh, you know, 
starting a firm right now. For me personally, you know, it's like, well, and I guess the, the second time I started a firm, I was doing that, taking every project and it was just me killing myself. And then I got burned out, you know, now having a partner, right. Things are better and you can balance things better. Uh, but it's still, yeah, hard to know what, what to take and what not to, but then like you guys, once you've built up this brand and this, this lineage of, of, of being able to be more selective and has to be nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it is, but it, it's still like the same feeling where we still get those projects and we're like, Oh, we should probably take this. And then it's like, we have to talk ourselves back out of it, you know? Mm. So I don't feel like we're at the point yet where it comes like second nature to us. We're still in like the fight or flight mode. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Huh. Uh, what, what What's your lowest day? Do we have another story? Yeah. I mean, other, I think probably when we were working on, uh, uncle, the patio, oh, yeah. uncle, we like, it was, it was one of our first projects and it was, uh, you know, it was low budget, but we were so amped on design and just like doing everything that I, I think we, you know, we, we just overshot it. And we, I'll never forget, like we had a concrete pour in the morning and we were, we were in the shop and it's the same shop with like the coffee beans and the, the hot sauce and everything. <laughs> like imagine that shop and we have, we decided we had to pull an all nighter to get all of our form work built so we could install it before the concrete showed up at eight the next morning. So as you can imagine, there's no form work. The concrete is showing up in the morning. So we stay up all night and we switch off taking naps on this little leather couch. And this is in the middle of summer. So it's like, you know, you wake up and your face is like sticky. sticky and, yeah, it's, like, it's just horrible. And we go out in the Highlands at like 4.30 in the morning and start using ram sets to set this stuff into the concrete. And the, surprisingly, the cops didn't show up somehow. And by the time the concrete showed up, we were just like so exhausted. You know, we've been up for like, it had to be like 40, 50 hours at that point. And the concrete truck shows up and the concrete guys, you could tell, we're like, these guys don't know what they're doing. You know, like, sure, we'll start pouring it. So they start pouring it and vibrating it. And one of the forms blows out on the bottom. And this guy, like, kicks a two by four in and it, like, barely stayed together. Oh, you know, I was thinking, like, we're going to have to chip up the whole sidewalk and, like, you know, redo this whole thing. And the concrete got poured and... We had like we had both like canceled vacations because the constru construction was taking too long, and I just remember sitting down. There's that building. I think it's like a wheat shop now. We're oh, like, yeah. I was like sitting against that wall, like looking at the formwork, just being like, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> like I'm not a hundred percent sure anymore. So, <laughs> and then you slowly took the forms off. That was and yeah, like, the next day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. do it. And Rick, of all people, walked up. He goes. How's it going, guys? Yeah. yeah. They're like peeling boards off. And it looked, came out You're like, you did this to us. Yeah. You, you, this is your fault. Yeah. yeah. You didn't tell us that it was going to be this hard. Well, part of that story, yeah. too, is like, they He's like, do you know me? Have you heard my life? Yeah. yeah. They'd yeah. fill all the forms. And they, the guys that are pouring the concrete look at us and like, do you guys have trowels for the top? So I'm like driving over to Ace Hardware on 38 to like get trowels. And I like hand them to the guy and he like starts doing it. And then just leaves it there, gets in his car and drives away. No. He's like, good luck. Oh, <laughs> you're like getting like plastic spoons from yeah, Uncle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as you walk past Uncle, if you look if you look at the top and it's not quite level, that's me and Brent's handiwork of trying to trowel it. I thought it was like a parametric uh, formwork that you guys did. Yeah, and it's yeah. uh, inadvertently yeah. parametric. <laughs> what about what about high points? What are what's the best day? 
for me, was it pouring off the pulling off the formwork? And... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the, honestly, the high points for me are like when we have like our Christmas parties, mm. where we have like our where we have everyone together and our employees and their families and stuff. Like, mm. it's just cool to see, you know, that we were able to sort of build this thing, and and now it's so much bigger than us. It's you know everyone else is kind of helping drive the ship, and it's become this like community of people that are all like-minded and interested in doing cool work and creative stuff and so i just i really like that part of it i think that's been there's there's tons of days where i've been super proud about the work we've done yeah sat inside of a building that we've done like oh this is super cool but i just enjoy the human side of it a little bit more i think yeah it seems like you know that vision that you guys had in school is sort of design based and this is what i want to do based but then to see that vision take off and then become bigger than you uh yeah that has to be cool it's yeah it's amazing i mean yeah speaking of that we had our first so one of our main shop manager is from louisiana we did a crawfish boil last summer Mm. just like seeing our whole team like out there eating crawfish like playing bags just like enjoying like being part of the company i mean that's special like everyone buys in they get it they love being there they love hanging out with each other i mean that's like i didn't you know, understand that we would create something that people would enjoy back then. Yeah. So I never really thought that you could, like, I always thought work was just like, you just don't enjoy it. That's just the way it goes. Or they just don't tell the bosses. That yeah. They're, 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 they're going to be listening to like, those, those guys, they don't even know what's happening. Yeah. Like, I'll just, actually feels. I should like follow up with employees after yeah. this. Uh, do a, uh, right. yeah. yeah. Second yeah. podcast. <laughs> they're like, they're full of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the mandatory parties. Yeah. The Christmas parties are always a lot of fun and, you know, get everyone to, let loose when you like look back at the year and yeah that sort of marker i have a skewed view of christmas party because like i the edible beats christmas parties that i was always a part of working at linger i mean they they're like next level oh. christmas parties so wherever we do one i'm like we gotta have a good christmas party mike yeah. like it's not gonna be a button-up <laughs> shirt one yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's that's totally me. The buttoned-up shirt, very. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> one time a year you. Yeah, you right. Up. Yeah, I think it's about so. as nice as it gets. <laughs> yeah, I think the other proud moment though was I mean I talked about the way back one like finally sitting in the restaurant that we worked so hard to like literally build everything that was probably unnecessary with no budget, <laughs> but I think you know we were down in Mexico together and bought a lot together and we have an opportunity now to like design our own project like on the lot that we own oh wow. i mean that was a pretty special moment just in terms of like kind of where we started and where we're going mm-hmm. i don't do you feel like there's more quality design fabrication firms i feel like there's a lot in denver and is that unique or is that pretty you know it's like you guys von mod uh limited right or yeah yeah yeah. um and it seems like more and more does that seem like a denver thing or is it that's good that's a good question i have noticed since we when we started i felt like this is crazy there's a huge hole in the market there's like Mm. no one really doing this i think von mod was before us yeah and Mm -hmm. so um i wasn't plugged in enough to know you know that that he was kind of doing that but it does feel i think I guess, in my opinion, the growth in Denver has, like, spawned... Like, not only are we growing in terms of population, but, like, the design here. Like, 10 years ago, it was, like, you know, 
if you want to go to a cool restaurant, like, there's a Red Robin down the street. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like true cow t- Like, have you, yeah. how long have you been here? For? I, six years. Okay, yeah. 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 So you probably, I mean, you've seen it a little bit. But a little like, bit, but. I mean, I remember like when Linger opened, mm. it was like, oh, there's, this is the coolest place on earth. There's nothing like yeah. this, you know? And, and I didn't travel when I was young at mm. all. So, like, I think probably wasn't until grad school when I met my wife now that she, she was like, we should travel. <laughs> we gotta you, get out you need to like see some other stuff. <laughs> you know? like, I was like super non-cultured and then, you know, and so she kind of showed me like the outside world. Like, you know, we went to Portland and Tokyo and all that oh, stuff wow. together. And, and then, then you come back to Denver and at the time you're like, wow, there really isn't that much here, mm. you know? But in the past 10 years, I feel like the, the design has gotten so much better from everyone, you know, like, just it, it's just been like pushing forward I yeah. think and so with that has come the need for more fabrication companies I think and more people to build those those cool ideas that yeah. coming up with especially from two unicorns like you guys like <laughs> to have two partners who have been who were born in Colorado yeah, yeah it's <laughs> yeah Surprised Spri- the firm's not called like Native Creative or something like really <laughs> we annoying with that around, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How how was that coming up with that name? You know, it's funny. You know, I, I we started our raw create our raw design in like two thousand nine, mm-hmm. and we did it for a while, and then we moved here, and we're like, all right, we could set up raw. Oh shit, who is this raw creative? <laughs> and it's like, oh man. And I, I even when we moved here, I like went to our attorney, and I was like, what what's the like what's the rules here? And they're like, well. It's only if if one of you is like diminishing the other person's brand by having both of it, and I was like, "Yeah, they they're a lot better than us. This, <laughs> this is we're, we're going to diminish that. We're going to get sued real fast." But, uh, but but it was like an unfortunate thing. But anyway, I was fine with going away from that. But it was just our names too. It was Rebecca right. Adam Wagner, and I was like, "That's not even their names." Yeah. Like, <laughs> the funny part is is like you know like you're like oh they're probably going to sue us. And meanwhile like. We're in a garage somewhere, like, <laughs> welding. <laughs> you know, I think I, I think I saw your guys' website or, or the name come up, and I was just like, "Oh, that's cool!" Like you know, rising tide, yeah, both ships, like uh, you know, rises <laughs> all rises all raws. The yeah. whole like the branding exercise oh. is such a funny thing. I mean, yeah, we started off trying to figure out raw, and for a while it was just like we're gonna name it raw, and then Mike one day was like, "We kind of sound like a." porn studio <laughs> he's like let's just add creative to it it's yeah. like raw creative came about and raw was creative idea porn of, like, studio yeah <laughs> and raw was the idea of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> heavy on concept yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like raw materials and that was that was like the, mm, the yeah. it was like we, we have always like raw materials that we're gonna do something cool with and like for a while they were like oh this name like we hate this name now yeah but then like over time and you know 10 years in or 8 years in we're like raw creative is perfect for like the fabrication side mm. And with for build, you know, build studio is Blaya Lujan Design Studio. Ah, uh, nice. But build is also like you know coming from a, the background of building things and tactile and yeah. Background. So it has like a little more dual meaning. But every time we're like we should name this company, we're like fuck that. Like, can we get someone to help us with this? Yeah. Guy? So with I know. build, we we were kicking ideas back and forth, and like I'd say something, he'd say hate it. He'd say something, I'd say I hate it, and then build. My wife was like, you should name it Build Studio because it's like your guys' last name. And we were like, oh, yeah, all right. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. Yeah. Done. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so painful. Like with, with Vessel Office, I mean, we, we've been talking about starting a firm for like four years. And we have a doc, we have a, a iPhone notes document that you can just scroll forever. There's hundreds of names yeah. on there. And it's like, 
how have we not come up with something? And, and like, you know, we landed on Bessel and, and that was, that's pretty good. And it's like, it's like 90% there. And there was one other firm named Vessel Architecture and they're in St. Louis. We're like, okay, we're good. We, we like do everything. We get the website up. And then all of a sudden they make a branch firm in Denver. And so they're in St. Louis and Denver. And oh. it's like a firm that's like 30 years old. It's like, shit. Oh. But, uh, yeah. you, I mean, when you try to get like one word or whatever, it's all, everything's taken. Yes. You can't, you yeah. can't, you know, you got to make More up something costs, weird. You know, or, grand to buy the yeah, yeah, that's true. But that's, I like that when it's, you know, acronyms or something and you get like, no, no, that's not what it is. It's our names. And, yeah. Right. Um, let's see what, um, yes. What do you guys, what do you guys, ex- I mean, we kind of talked about it with, with Build Studio, but what are you guys really excited about in the future? What gets you jazzed? I'm really, I'm really excited about having Raw Creative be more employee run. That's like one of my big kind of things that I'm excited about. But we also have some other stuff that we've been talking about for a long time, like with our concrete side, we're going to be launching mm. like a product line and kind of a new, another new company that has to be just with that, that I'm really excited about. And I'm, I'm also really excited to be able to really focus on architecture a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and just kind of sink into it a little bit. Um, do you see? Do you see build getting into a lot like very large projects and you know turning into a whole another twenty person firm or? Uh, I don't, but yeah. I, I think really, in its best form, it would be we do fifty percent of our own self funded projects mm-hmm. and fifty percent of projects that are just highly creative, where someone comes to us and says like we want to we want to yeah. do it right, we want to get into it. Um, to a point where we can stay away from doing kind of the, you know, the stuff that sometimes you have to do to keep the doors open. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think right now we're looking at, there's the hotel project in Mexico and then there's also a project up in the mountains. It's a four story building. Hmm. And I think that's oh. probably about the limit. Yeah. Think, you know, I wouldn't do much more beyond that. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm just excited for, I keep calling it like a reset. Like we've been hmm. drinking out of the fire hose for the last, you know, eight, nine years. And, it's been a lot to take in and, you know, being a control freak, we're like, we have to do everything. And now it's like, we've learned that we don't have to do everything. Hmm. We're really focusing on just fabrication, just architecture and kind of closing our construction side for the, for, for the future here. And to me, that excites me because like we can put the energy that we were putting into that division, just really refocus it into architecture specifically. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's exciting. And, you know, <clears throat> It's been a lot of conversations to get to that point of like, should we shut down the build side? And you know, it's the right move at this time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we've seen a lot of people shut that were doing a similar thing as us shut their construction side down. Yeah, like Huff shut their construction side down. I know. I think Bill Moore with Sprocket. You know, he kind of got away from construction. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think it works great to a scale. Like you can do these TI jobs with a really lean construction team, but now if we're designing, you know. A nice home like you can't build a home with one person maybe you can but like it takes a lot of focus to do right. it right and we're not about delivering something where we're going to fail to do it and the products that we're starting to get like unethically we, we could be like yeah we can build this we would just be like thrown by the seat of our pants here so yeah you know really just taking a step back and understanding that we're not the best fit to do all three anymore i think is you know kind of a proud moment and just 
like come to terms with that, that we can really focus on what we're good at and let the builders build. Yeah. There's some really good builders out there. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It's like now we've realized just to leverage those relationships. Do they pick up the phone? That's what I have a hard time with. That is a difficult <laughs> so, part. So many sure. is yeah. a, a, maybe a stretch right now. But, yeah. uh, like with, our so current, many projects. with our current yeah. business model, we've like, to them, we're a great resource because we're like, hey, here's our project. Mm. You know, these are the CDs. You're going to bid on this. By the way, here's the fabrication package that we're going to bid on as well. So we're like, we're handing GCs the CD set and also an estimate for a lot of the custom mill work. That's sometimes hard for them to get numbers for right. anyway. Yeah. So like they're getting something with like a leg up and that's like a nice relationship that we're starting to explore more in terms of, look, we're the architects, but we're also looking to plug in our fabrication studio for X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's nice because we can, we can just show that to the client and the general contractor and say, if you get numbers that are lower than this or better than this, then that's great. You know, like yeah. we're not, we're just putting our name in the run. Yeah. And it's kind of a. But if you go with someone else, we're going to nitpick, nitpick the shit out right, of Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You better be ready for the signal phase. <laughs> yeah, I'm back hard on you. <laughs> uh, that's funny. I know, it, that seems like such a hard, difficult business model. I, it hasn't come out yet, but I interviewed uh, 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 Mike Moore last time with Trace Birds, and mm-hmm. like they're still doing you know uh, most of their construction. And it's like, how, how are you able to do that? But he seems to make it look easy. But Yeah. Um, um, I feel like some, some people probably have figured out they've unlocked that key, you know, mm-hmm. or I think really like it's having people that want to be doing that. Yeah. You know, really that's like their passion. And, right. And if you have a good team that it's all they want to do, then it's easier. But, you know, right now there's, there's, there's no, like you said, it's hard to get builders to pick up the phone. So it's hard to keep a staff yeah. you know, that really wants to do it. It's hard to find subs, keep a sub base, unless you're building things consistently your yeah. sub base is always working mm-hmm. um and that's probably one of the biggest things that led us to that is denver's so crazy right now the sub base is so hard to find that it's just you know it's like let the gcs that have the subs you know in their back pocket do all this stuff yeah just kind of like do we want to grow our build team to five six seven people or do we want to just refocus here and yeah that was the driver yeah mm-hmm. It's, it's nice to figure out sort of what you guys are about, right? I mean, I think, you know, taking business, a business class in grad school, right? Mm-hmm. And of saying, well, what's the business model of an architecture firm? Like, it, it doesn't work very well when you fill out those blank templates, right? right. Of like, well, what's my, my proposition? Well, I'm really good at design. Okay, well, what's hit their proposition? <laughs> well, he's really good at yeah. design, too. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, and for you guys, like carving out that, that niche of, you know, we're really good design and we can tell you exactly how much this will cost to, to build this thing and whatever. Yeah. yeah smart. Yeah. It was, I think we really enjoyed the building part and we've talked about in the future, it may come back, but yeah. right now it's just time to focus on architecture and fabrication. And there's some fun stuff, you know, that plays there about like potential productization and, things that we can manufacture in-house and, and sell that we've we've always talked about since we started and never had time to actually work on. Yeah. Well, cool, guys. You know, like, uh, it's been great having you over to my house here and having you the first I one. over here. Yeah. I, uh, you know, moving here, obviously, we knew of you guys because we had the same name, but then <laughs> reached out to you and had an early on lunch with Mike and 
uh, it's just been fun to see you guys grow and just like create really quality work. And so excited to see where, where this new studio goes. And, um, yeah, if you, if you get too many projects, just send them over my way <laughs> yes. and uh, we'll send you some kitchens and sounds good. I'll give you $400. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That sounds awesome. Uh, well, thanks for having us. Yeah, I, I love listening to the podcast. I feel like it's really, it's like that imposter syndrome. Mm, it helps, yeah. it helps uh, alleviate that a little bit. Yeah. Listening to like, the fact that everyone's fucked up. Everyone, everyone has it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> everyone's got scars. Should I not be cussing? Like, is that okay? No, no, I can. You, you'll get the explicit uh, okay. yeah. label on it, so you'll look a little hard, more hardcore. But uh, now, when it says raw and then explicit, raw, really raw like, explicit. Yeah. That's what, that was the first one before creative was explicit. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Well, cool guys. Thanks. Yeah, thank Great. you. You can visit architecting.com, that's architect-ing.com, to see images from this week's guest. And please rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great week and keep connecting. Moving here, I was I was applying to so many firms and you get, get to go and meet people, and mm-hmm. but then you get a job and you're like, oh, there's not much reason to <laughs> do it. But yep. now it's, yeah, it's awesome just to... And like you said, like you put these people on like pedestals, you know, but then you talk with them and it's like, oh yeah, like I could call you anytime for advice or whatever. Right, but right, yeah. <laughs> like the, the the one with EJ Meats. Yeah. Like that was, I thought that was a really good one. And I, I did some contract model building for them when I was an undergrad. Oh, cool. Where I like, I worked directly with EJ and James mm. and I just was like so nervous talking to them. You know, <laughs> just like you, I'd go into the firm and I'd be like, I'm so like outside of my league right now. Like, and I, they're just such good designers and their work's always yeah. so good. And I think even now, if I was talking to him, I'd probably still be nervous. But yeah. it's just, it was interesting to hear him talk about, you know, like, how I grew up and the things that he was interested in and it like kind of humanizes everyone I feel yeah. like and even him where you know I feel like there's not many firms in Colorado that you know have much of a national presence right mm-hmm. and like and it's easy for us to like elevate all these people and be like oh yeah EJ or whatever And but then even EJ was like you know we're nowhere near like what these other firms are and I'm like well you're pretty close right. like yeah <laughs> especially for here you know yeah. um but yeah like you said just that imposter syndrome like runs so deep yeah that's for like, sure to me the thing to wrap my mind around is like you're always like how do I get to that point mm. and like you go towards some of these projects and there's always a sense of like I could do this you know and, and yeah. not in sense of like I'm I could design to this level that like the scale of the project like the process it's going through, someone's building it, like you can see yourself like start to get to that point. Yeah. Which is like super inspiring. And I mean, I have a friend who I live with that he's building, he's a product manager on build of oh, Aspen. Really? And I went toward it when all like the steel framing was up and like all the LVL framing is in and all the steel detailing is going. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is amazing. You know, I was like so starstruck just like being in like a frame house. Yeah. And like, not today, it's like, we could do this because it was like next level. Yeah. But it's always like that factor of like, you know, it gives you something like to aspire to and like work towards like, how do I figure out like, how do we get this level? Yeah. Isn't like touring that house like forbidden? So, yes. Well, it is. Yeah. I was just like, eh. well, now everyone knows. This is going out live, right? Yeah. Now. Well, but you know, like, uh, and kind of to your point, like, okay, yeah, obviously they're, they're really good, but if you have a 
$1,500 per square foot budget. Yeah. And like, or whatever it is, like, it's just like, it's like next level though. When you're going there and like, for me, you know, fabricating, like you see like some of the detailing of like how they do drip edges and you're like, this is so fucking cool. You know? And I have a friend who beat out for a project Mm -hmm. and it's because they had a 35% fee design fee on it. Architect fee. Yeah. 35% on some of the, some of the projects we're coming to Mexico right now, like he, our friend who's building a lot of stuff down there, he got like proposals from and they're like, you know, 70K just for like a concept. Yeah. You know, which is like, I'd love to get to that point. Yeah. It's like, how do we, you know, yeah. But the trajectory of architecture in the terms of like running a business, you're like, you aspire to be like, how do we command those fees? Right. How do you build your business to that point? Yeah. Well, and how do you not, like, when you're building that, how do you deal with, the other side of that where someone's like I'll do it for like a thousand bucks yeah right now yeah. you know what I mean and yeah that's the part of like vetting clients that we want along the way because we, we've been yeah. a tour it's like we'll do this for cheap it's going to like be a stepping stone to the next thing right then you get to the point where like if you're considering us but you're also considering the guys to do a thousand bucks this isn't a good fit regardless yeah mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah it's so it's so hard like we're we we've been having this discussion a lot about being like an AOR essentially. Like, Mm -hmm. so we're, we're AOR for, um, a TI in Rhino with, uh, Frida Escobedo, Mexico city. And that was like sort of a hard thing of like, you know, she just won like the extension to the Met museum in New York and like, we can work with her, but like we're design architects, you know, we're not architect of record, but like what, how do you balance that? And like, how many do you do? You know, like we're take, we're partnering with another husband wife firm in the Hamptons and like, we're doing like CDs with them. And it's like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's like, you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars square foot uh, per square foot house. And so it's like cool details and things, but it's like, how many of these do we do, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. before you get pigeonholed, mm-hmm. but you also need to eat. Right. Oh, yeah. But, and it's, is it a stepping stone or yeah and which yeah. jobs keep the lights on versus yeah. which jobs advance your career yeah well i feel like it's kind of like lawyers right like the way that they operate is like in doctors people need that service yeah and they're like if you want it you're gonna pay for it mm-hmm. that's just kind of the way it is but with architects it's more it but, seems more like cutthroat and also like well that's a really cool project so i'm willing to cut my fee for it and like There's lawyers are never like well, it's, that's a sweet project. There's a bunch of like back alley doctors in architecture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hey man, I'll give you that shot for a hundred dollars. Yeah. And that's exactly. a draw like towards development is, you know, yeah. we're doing some products where we're self-funding and doing development nice. on because we can be as creative as we want. And you know, there's no, like it's our time at that point, you know, someone's not paying us for it. Obviously at the end, when we sell this project, it's our bottom line, but right you're like more invested to be like, I want to make it really cool. Yeah. You know, and there's no owners to argue with. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I, I, so that's, that's our business plan as well. We have a third partner who's a developer. And so oh, like nice. the idea was like, get the architecture firm running, get some revenue coming in then bring him in and start developing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and it just it seems like that's what everybody's trying to, every architect, right. Mm-hmm. Cause it's the smart way to do it. And we're building up so much value for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah that aren't as good as us most of the time, yep. you know, but have, but just know these little things, but it's like, how do you, you know, that next step of, of getting that knowledge and experience, but, you know, 
in like communicating value to yeah. clients is so hard. Yeah. You know, it's just like, especially when they're like, well, this guy's going to do it for half of what yeah. you, know, you said. And you try and explain like, well, they're not going to spend that much time on documentation and there might be more change orders and, you know, good luck trying to sell that to a client. Yeah. You know, unless they're sophisticated and they're like a, a larger client. Right. So, I mean, and that, that that's where it goes to choosing the right clients, right? But it's like all 400 of us architecture firms are going for those 10% of people or yeah. five, 1% probably, right? yeah, 1% of the yeah. 1%. Yeah. Um, but just to your point of like then building up your brand and your reputation and, you know, like um, in some ways it's funny to hear you guys saying like, oh, you know, these people that we look up to or whatever. Cause I feel like definitely in the community, like you guys are the ones that people look up to, like, especially in the fabrications realm and like, and like, and like that, like, you're the young, cool, like doing good stuff for a while, and like, like who everybody wants to work for, and so we're not even that young. Look at his hair. <laughs> <laughs> he said that's only happened in the last eighty years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think it's it's a trip. Like when I hear that, because it it's probably the same way that everyone feels like like you know like you were talking about EJ earlier. Like when, when someone says like, oh man, like what you guys do is so cool, and everyone you know. I think, at least for me, I'm like, man, today I was like sitting at my desk being like, what the hell am I doing? Like, I don't know what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it yeah. just feels like a dumpster fire all the time. And you're always trying to be like, you know, eventually I'm going to get to like this level yeah. that's where these other people are at. And it's kind of just like a never ending thing that you're always. Yeah. It's like, how do you, how do you, how do you find that satisfi- satisfaction in, mm-hmm. in what you're doing and not continually chasing that other thing but still pushing yourself right yeah yeah it's like celebrating the small victories is is Mm. hard sometimes yeah because like you're always like striving for the next thing you know i always joke my wife like we're addicted to chaos yeah whenever we're like feeling settled and feeling good we're like let's do something else you know yeah like we start another business no (laughs) my wife was yeah really six months pregnant we're like let's remodel no we were three months pregnant we're like, let's remodel our house now because like we're feeling good. You look spry, yeah. 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 <laughs> so like, demo my entire house, and six months come along, she's pregnant. I'm like, let's get a puppy, you know? Like, oh, our dog's no. gonna be another dog when our, no. when our baby comes. <laughs> like, we just are always like, you know, if we ever get stagnant or settled, we like need to like amp it up a little bit. And it's nice in the business to be like, you know, celebrate the small victories. There's times when we're like, all right, we're doing good, we're doing good, you know. I'm like, well, how do we like spice this up right now? And that, that happens quite often. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> it's like, fuck. That's hilarious. I know. You know, yeah. Like for, for so long, I said that I was, I thought I was like addicted to stress, like coming out of studio, you know? Mm-hmm. And then this year, two months ago, I got diagnosed with ADHD. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what it is where it's like, you're you're always chasing the challenge and if you're not being challenged you're you get sort of depressed you know and it like put a different kind of spin or thing on it right yeah like that's interesting yeah it it definitely feels like when there's not a mountain to climb that you're just kind of like now what yeah well it's like you know john brandon cruz that we went to school with yeah his like whole thing is like the process the process is the prize yeah and like mm. not like living for like that end goal that one moment at the end of the process it's like really enjoying the ride and celebrating the victories and like you learn a ton at every single step and like you may be striving for like that one day or one moment or one completion 
but like enjoying the whole ride is you know humbling in a way because don't you feel like even that that end that that mountaintop is is it always sort of lets you down yeah you know it's definitely about it's like that's when i crash the hardest right after you win an award or after you do something you're like well that's not as cool as i thought it'd be like where was where the balloon drop? Like, where was the... Yeah, right, for sure. Well, and it, it, like with the company, you know, like I always thought once we get a CNC machine, mm. right, we're going to be like, it's going to be so awesome. And now that we like, we have these cool tools, we yeah. have everything. And now I'm like looking back and being like, man, you remember when we, like we used to work in the little garage and then like we'd work for 10 hours and then like I would go to linger and sit at the bar while he was bartending with my wife and we just like slam drinks for the whole night, you know? Covered in sawdust. Yeah, and, and talk about yeah. how great it was going to be when we got a CNC machine. Yeah. In reality, that was the best yeah. time so far was like having that time. You had free just... chili, free coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, all that you could smell. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Samples, hot sauce, and ice cream. <laughs> That's so funny. We just paid off the CNC and I was like, that's a good day. Yeah. <laughs> now you're like, okay, I want to buy a yeah. new one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think enjoying the ride is, you know, you have to like just slow yourself down a little bit. Like I'm sure you, you know, too, with kids, it's like, they're getting so big, so fast. And I was like, fuck, you gotta enjoy that ride. Yeah. That's like what Andy, I always say this, you know, Andy Paddock, he's, He's a, he's a instructional engineer that works a lot with CBW, huh. with building the shop. He's awesome. He's like another one of our mentors. And Nice. He was talking to me when I was getting ready to have my first kid. And he was like, the best advice I can give you is like, the days are really long, but the years are really short. Yeah. And when you put it together that like, from the moment your kids are born, you have 18 spring breaks with them, guaranteed. Hmm. And after that, like, there's no more. And then um, you, when you put it that way, you're like, oh man, that's true. Like, you only get so much time with them and... Yeah. With us both becoming dads, I feel like that kind of like that actually probably helped level the company mm. out a little bit because both of us are maybe more addicted to chaos and and you know, like yeah we're yeah and we're <laughs> the gamblers chaos, a little bit about yeah the chaos game right. comes from the kids now yeah yeah yeah, right, yeah. now we're like I just yeah. want to go to work and it be quiet and <laughs> just chill <laughs> yeah but it, but it's so true we're just you know it's so easy to let every little deadline dream bring you down or every task or every fire mm-hmm. and then like the kids are like oh you're just stressing me out more just like go away or whatever yep because if, if every day feels so long yeah mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I like yeah my my fi- he's yeah five and a half and it's like that dude is he's a hu- full human you yeah. know and it's <laughs> like we, we play like video games every night together and mm-hmm. he's like he tells me he loves me like 20 times a day awesome. and it's just like <laughs> the sweetest little guy and it's yeah. like that's that's only gonna last like another maybe nine years. Yeah, that, yeah. That I get the love and the you know, but yeah. uh, then it's gonna be that I hate you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Well, I get that too. He yeah. says that too. But, right. uh, if he says that, he gets dessert taken away. So he, he really he really saves that. Holds it, holds it, holds it back for really important ones. Uh, that's hilarious. I I was thinking today actually when I wrote you an email. I was reading through your questions mm-hmm. and I started thinking back on like all the different stuff. I was like, holy shit, that feels like, it, I mean, it feels like it was 30 years ago, not eight years ago, you know, when we started. But Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny, like even like when we started in 09, uh, we did a restaurant and then 
since my dad's a general contractor, like we framed up all the walls and we did it with sips and like I was out there on doing that. And then like me and a college buddy like poured all the tabletops, like 36 tabletops and bars and like- That's awesome. Uh, I feel like we were sort of on like your track, but yeah, it's hard to sustain that. But, yeah. It's just like, that was the, the pivotal point with the fabrication studio for us was recognizing like the lost opportunity of like not outsourcing our shop to other professionals. Cause we're like, it's our shop. We're yeah. only build for our projects. And like, if we're in design, the shop's like, yeah. What are we building guys? Yeah. The second we start doing, you know, design assist in the terms of like, Hey, you have a cool project that someone can build. Like we'll work with you. We'll build it. We'll work in Revit with you. Yeah. It's so like, now it's like, let's just make raw creative, you know, an outlet for other professionals. Yeah. And then we'll start our own architecture firm and we'll just use Rock Creator the same way you know you would. Yeah. Yeah. Which that was like a huge like light bulb moment for us. That's cool. Yeah. Which still blows my mind too, because like I remember being very cognizant of the fact that I loved working with all these other creative people when I was in school and working in the sink and everything. And it just it felt like I don't know, like I, I, we were trying to like, yeah, like hold it close in the guitar shop, you know, yeah. it's like something and then then yeah, once we realized that I mean, I I almost like working with other architects more than I like working on my own projects in the yeah. shop, just because I love seeing like the creative things that people come up with, and yeah, and it's just yeah. well, just that idea of collaboration, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. like we can we can all be great designers, but there's people that are a lot better designer than I am, and that, that when you come together and do something, and and I, I love problem solving. So to me, it's like that's a level of problem solving. Like we have this idea, we don't know how to really make it work. I'm like, let's dive in and figure this out. Mm. You know, we can, like, that's like the part that excites me is being able to take an idea that no one else can build and engineer it to where it's realistic. Like, that's fun. Yeah. 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 And to your point of just, we, we can't stay good at everything forever. And like, the whole point is to hire better people than you are, right? Right. In a firm and, and, which yeah. is a huge like maturing thing for at least for me it was it was like that that felt so hard for me because I wanted to yeah, I, bet. I wanted to be like the best right you know and at the top of my game in our entire company and then you realize like if you hire really really good people really smart people then it everyone gets better and everyone can train each other and yeah. you know and it has that collaborative effect I think well cool guys thanks yeah thank you This is Sarah Hubbard, host of You and Me Kid, a podcast about starting and raising a family on your own. We just launched season two, and I'm speaking with single moms, those still considering, and experts in relevant fields to give you a real sense of what the day-to-day experience of solo parenting looks and feels like. Plus, this season, I've partnered with California Cryobank, the number one sperm bank in the U.S. So wherever you are in the process, this podcast provides some support, humor, and helpful information. Listen to You and Me Kid wherever you get your podcasts.